Hey guys, I've been reading this book called When You Reach Me. It's a book that's not too hard, but also nicely planned by Rebecca Stead. In the story, the main character is obsessed with this book called A Wrinkle in Time. The funny thing is, when my mom bought this book, she actually bought A Wrinkle in Time at the same time without even knowing that they're related. So, when I read When You Reach Me, I was like, why does it seem so familiar? Anyway, this story is about a girl suddenly starting to receive these mysterious letters. At first, she just wanted to ignore the letters, but the scary thing was, the person who was writing the letters seemed to have the ability to predict the future. He said that he was coming to save her friend's life and his own, but she didn't really know what it meant. In the beginning, I didn't really know what the point of the story was because it was just describing her everyday life. But in the end, I realized that every tiny detail was planned perfectly and everything was coming together. The whole story revolves around time travel. The characters discuss the time travel process in A Wrinkle in Time when the main character trapped the main character travels back in time to exactly five minutes before they left in the same spot and how they would have seen themselves leave. This gives us a lot to think about. Dumborton by Ginger Drawn Chapter 6 The first bell rang. I walked through the crowded halls to find my classroom. Somebody bumped me in the shoulder and kept on walking with his friends without apologizing. As I walked, the question buzzed in my mind. Should I tell the teachers that Jessica poisoned me? I didn't even have any proof, but I was certain it was her. But most of the teachers were fond of Jessica, so they probably wouldn't believe me if I told them she did such a terrible thing. I decided to tell Carolina about it first. She snickered. Seriously, Avery? Jessica poisoned you? That's the best you could come up with? I scowled. It's true. There's no other explanation. Maybe you just fell asleep for way too long because Mr. Old made us do all that exercise. Carolina shook her head and slammed her locker shut. I don't even want to exercise. I don't ever want to ex exercise again. Jessica and her minions walked past us, gossiping about a pop star whom I did not know. She stuck her tongue out at me and, and made a disgusting face as she passed by. Carolina started toward the classroom, but I stopped her. Why do you think Jessica hates me so much? I sh she shrugged. Well, first of all, she must be jealous at you for beating her in every subject. Second, I kind of replaced her with you as my best friend. If I don't tell the teachers what she did, she'll just do it again. Next time, it could, it could be worse. I exhaled deeply. I wish I could start a fight with her again. If only George wasn't so mad at me for doing so last time. It would be such a relief. We started walking toward the classroom. There were already a few people who were seated. The teacher sat behind his desk, reading a thick book. Why was he so mad at you anyway? I mean, it's not like you started the fight last time. 
Carolinas asked as we settled into our seats. I pulled out my books from my backpack and set them on my desk. That's not the case. George was just afraid that I would be exposed, I explained. Carolina looked puzzled. Exposed? My heart jerked and I felt my muscles tighten. I covered my mouth with both of my hands. What have I done? Avery, what's going on? I sighed and folded my arms in front of my chest, leaning backward in my chair. Someday she had to know. I'll explain later, I said. We both took turned toward the blackboard as the teacher banged his fist against his desk. We will be going through all of the activities for next Thursday today, he said, because if you haven't forgotten, we're all going on a camping trip to the mountains. We need to be prepared. Some students cheered, but some groaned. Jessica whispered something in her minion's ears. Mountains are disgusting with all the worms and bugs and dirt, but I used to go on trips with my dad all the time, so it would be no problem for me. I don't know about other people, though, she glared at me. Everyone started chattering in excitement. Carolina tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around. I'm going to bring a bunch of snacks and perhaps a flashlight, she declared enthusiastically. That way we can tell ghost stories and stay up late. What are you going to bring? I shrugged. I guess I can bring the stories, I said. George must have loads of them. Our house is like a secret library or something. The teacher banged his fist against his desk again, and we all quieted down. He explained that some teachers had volunteered to be chaperones during the trip. He glanced at his computer screen. Your chaperone will be Mr. Old. He will be keeping an eye on you and making sure you don't kill each other. Some students giggled. Carolina seemed to be thrilled with Mr. Old being our chaperone, and I felt the same way. Something about him comforted me. He was kind and amiable, but something had still haunted me. Mr. Old somehow knew I was an alien. The boys and girls will be sleeping in separate tents, the teacher said, pushing at his glasses. And remember, lights out at ten. Nobody seemed to be bothered by the rules because we all knew nobody was going to follow them. The rest of the day was all the same. Boring classes one after another. Recess that seemed way too short. The, the amazing meals served in the cafeteria. Carolina seemed to be seemed to have forgotten about how I told her George was afraid I would be exposed, which I wasn't sure if it was a good thing or not. A part of me strongly wanted to share this with someone I cared about, not just family, but a friend. Maybe I should tell Monica. She would definitely believe me. I wondered if it was a good idea to tell anyone, though. At least one good thing happened during these hours and hours of deep thought. I had decided to tell a trustworthy teacher about Jessica poisoning my my water. But first, I needed to be 100% sure it was her. I slammed the door to the girls' restroom and threw Jessica's books to the floor. She grunted as her back hit the wall. Her face flooded with rage as soon as she figured out what was going on. Hello, Aves. You want to tell me what's going on? She gritted her teeth, her chest heaving as she breathed heavily in anger. I cracked my knuckles. 
You tell me, I said. What did you do to me yesterday? You poisoned me, didn't you? A smug smile spread across Jessica's face. You're clever, huh? She cooed. At least you're smarter than my pet bunnies, which of course are well-fed and treated with care, and that's what makes them smarter than average. Though I must say you being smarter than them is a surprise, really. I thought an orphan like you ought to be awkward and blunt. I bolted my hands into fists. I wanted to just grab her hair and yank, tearing it off if necessary. But you're not smart enough, because you can't prove anything. I heard someone flush. Whoever she is, she had been listening. I kicked Jessica's books on the floor in arrogance and jerked my head around, my ponytail slapping her in the face. Ow, she yelled, rubbing her face. Without another word, I swung the door shut behind me and stormed toward the principal's office. The letter's headmaster's office, Mr. Ford, was was carved into the door. I didn't bother knocking and kicked it open. The principal stood up from his seat, alarmed. He quickly pulled open his desk drawer and stuffed something inside. His face twisted into a frown. Avery Gray, he growled. I saw a book about origami lying on his desk face down. It was hard to imagine the principal of a middle school for extremely wealthy children playing with origami of penguins and swans in his free time. Would you at least knock before you just come waltzing in here? It is very impolite and it is no way to treat an adult, especially when that adult is me. The door automatically closed gently behind me and I took a step closer to the desk. My name is Avery Peterson, remember? George Peterson adopted me, I said. Mr. Ford chuckled and settled back behind his large desk. He started playing with his pen. Yes, but the name does not suit you. Not quite. You're nothing like Mr. Peterson. He looked up, a sarcastic smile hanging on his face. George Peterson wouldn't start a fight with one of our top students, nor would he come rushing into the principal's office very impolitely and speaking to me in an unacceptable manner. His voice became a shout. I could tell he really didn't like me. It was all Jessica's fault. She triggered me and she triggered me and almost forced me to give the principal an awful impression. But I could forget all that because she was going to pay for what she did. Or maybe Mr. Ford just disliked orphans. I took a deep breath to calm myself down. And after that, I spoke in my softest tone and put on my friendliest expression. Mister, I'm here to inform you that Jessica Thompson, due to her hatred for me and her unclear mental problems and or anger issues, poisoned my water and forced me to spend a night in the teacher's lounge and steal food from the school kitchen, I said calmly. My tone and expression didn't really match what I was saying, which made the situation quite awkward and strange. I request a punishment for Jessica if effective immediately, and if necessary for all the other horrible things that she must have done to others, I think suspension or expulsion will suit the situation well. The principal stared at me. I stared back at him. He blinked twice. I blinked twice. 
I was going to break the silence when he suddenly threw his head back laughing. Tears came out from his eyes and I was certain he was going to fall out of his chair laughing. Jessica Thompson, he chortled. Jessica Thompson poisoned you? Yes, I said firmly. Mr. Ford cleared his throat and shook his head, straightening his tie. If so, how are you still standing here? I sat down in the armchair facing him. It was surprisingly soft and I sank back in the chair. It was something slow working, I explained. She poisoned my water during physical education, which made me go unconscious in the last period, and I had to spend a night in the school. Mr. Ford raised an eyebrow, interlocking his fingers. And how do you know all this? Well, I stammered, scratching my head. Jessica has always hated me, for whatever reason. She's the only person that could have done this. I may not have any proof, but I promise to find some. I'm certain. In fact, she admitted to it when I confronted her about it. May I request an investigation? Shaking his head, the principal straightened up from his chair and his his hands on his desk. I'm sorry, Avery, but I do not think an investigation is necessary. It is highly unlikely that Jessica Thompson, out of all the people in the school, would poison you. Perhaps it was all just some misunderstanding, or perhaps it was all just your physical problems. My heart sank down to my stomach. Nobody here trusted me, did they? Carolina seemed to be the only good person in this school. In fact, in this whole town. All of a sudden, I felt like I didn't belong here in this neighborhood. I never did. Besides, Mr. Ford continued, I don't think you get very decent food in the Orange Star Orphanage, eh? It's probably the reason for your physical problems. A sudden urge of rage swept through me and I cut and cut my heart like a knife. I was hurt. I was angry. How dare Mr. Ford criticize me and the orphanage just because my parents passed away? I stood up from the armchair and banged my fists against the desk. I do not have physical problems, I roared. I do not have any kind of problems. Jessica Thompson poisoned me and you, the school principal, don't even care. And without proof, you're calling me a cheat and liar. I'm telling George about this. Wait until he hears about it. He will file a complaint and tear yours and the school's reputation apart. How does that sound? The bell rang. Mr. Ford slowly sat down, breathing heavily. I'm going to have to talk to Mr. Peterson about your unacceptable behavior today, he said sternly. Now go back to class and remember to apologize to Jessica Thompson. I swallowed the words I wanted to scream and stormed out the principal's office. Apologize? No way. I did nothing wrong. I helped Carolina carry her bag to the bus. It was unusually full. She said it was filled with junk food. Mine was not heavy at all. In fact, it was pretty light. I only brought some plain t-shirts and a random book that I threw into my bag right before I set off to school. George forgot that I was going on the camp trip and my alarm didn't go off, so I needed to get everything ready in less than 10 minutes. Well, which book did you bring? Carolina asked. We settled into the bus. I shrugged. Actually, I was in such a hurry I didn't even have time to choose which book to bring. 
I told George to choose one for me while I packed the rest of my stuff. So you're saying you don't know which book you brought with you? She asked, then groaned. What if he chose something boring? Like the history of math or something? I shivered. God, I hope not. I have to check after we unpack because the book is in my bag. But George is an interesting person. His library should be too, right? The bus driver announced that we were heading off, and the bus started moving forward. I watched the school going out of sight, and then the wide streets came into view. We were heading toward the mountains. We just needed to go straight forward, but it looked very far away. We had lunch on the bus that the school prepared. It was a large turkey sandwich with an orange juice box. Mr. Olds had popped out from the seat in the front row with a microphone in his hands. He asked if anyone would volunteer to sing a song during the ride, and Jessica raised her hand. She chose a song and started singing in that terrible voice of hers, and it was a miracle nobody puked. The ride started to get a little bumpy, and the bus driver seemed to be struggling to drive on the rocky mountain roads. It seemed to me that if he removed his foot off the accelerator for a second, the whole bus would tumble down the mountain. Jessica finished her tenth song and her minions clapped and cheered crazily. Mr. Old offered her a bottle of water and told her to go back to her seat and rest while some other people sang. You can't have all the fun, he said, tugging on the microphone. Jessica finally let go and went back to her seat. The rest of the ride was filled with joy and music. I had a turn to sing with Carolina and we had quite a good time. I hit an unusually high note for the humans and everybody stared at me in amazement. I know. George specifically warned me not to do anything that humans couldn't do, but sometimes I just slip. Accidents happen, but every so often I do it on purpose. I don't want to hide what I can do forever. It all ended with Mr. Old singing a not-so-popular ballad, and we sang along with somewhat disturbing lyrics that we made up on the spot. Mr. Old was not thrilled that we ruined the song for him, but since it was a special occasion, he let it go. I was glad that he was our chaperone. This trip is starting off perfectly, Carolina laughed. This is going to be the most epic camping trip of our lives. We'd probably never forget it. I know I won't. The bus finally stopped in the clearing where we were pitching the tents, and we unloaded the luggage. The bus drove away again as soon as the bags were all removed. Now, here are your tents, Mr. Old said, pointing at the pile of not-yet-set-up tents. Each group will take one. The other classes will arrive in about five minutes, and by then... It will be a lot more crowded, so I want you to set up your tents as quickly as possible. Carolina tugged me, motioning for the tents. We rushed at the pile, going first so we could choose the color that we wanted. We chose blue. The rest of the group, with about four other girls, helped put the tent together, and we finished before any other group. Jessica's group was the last to finish, since their leader was complaining that the grass was prickly. Another bus pulled in a few minutes later, and a swarm of students flocked into the clearing right next to ours. They started pitching their tents as well. Mr. Old told us that for our first day here in the mountains, our only mission was to make dinner for ourselves. 
How are we supposed to make dinner in the woods? Jessica groaned. There's no food, no fire. Don't worry, Jessica, Mr. Old said patiently. We have hidden food everywhere, in the bushes, on top of trees, simply lying in the grass, you name it. And, But of course, you need to start a fire yourself, because the food we provide is raw, such as meat and vegetables. There are also fruits, of course. I shook my head. This sure was a strange camping trip. All they taught these wealthy children was there was food hanging everywhere, even in the mountains. Students of Spectacular would never learn how to survive in the wild, would they? Carolina and I went looking for food together. I found a sack of potatoes sitting in the grass, a bunch of grapes hanging from the tree, and also a pack of raw ribs and a blueberry bush. Carolina even found a bag of multicolored marshmallows. The others were still struggling to light a fire using twigs and dead leaves when we came back with the food. Somebody cheated and used a lighter instead. I dug a twig into some marshmallows, organizing them in the order of the rainbow, and started roasting them. Gross, Avery, one of the girls said. You do realize that you're eating dirt and dead dead bugs from that twig, right? I shrugged carelessly. So? It's how you survive in the wild. The girl made a disgusted face. No, it's just gross. I swallowed the mouthful of marshmallows. I'm immune to it. Besides, the food they gave me back in the Orange Star Orphanage was probably worse. We finished dinner by feasting on the fruits. I felt like if I swallowed another mouthful of any kind of food, my stomach would explode like dynamite. The sky soon darkened and Mr. Old announced it was time for each of us to take a shower. Each person has five minutes to take a shower, he declared. No one will take up another second, some people gasped. Everyone thought five minutes was way too short, but Mr. Old insisted. He said it was a school rule, and if someone hawked the bathroom for too long, not everyone would get a chance to shower. I guess it made sense, but I couldn't see what was the big deal not having a proper shower for one day. Night was falling and the temperature dropped quite a bit. Luckily, Carolina had a spare jacket and she lent it to me, or else I would have frozen to death. I sat down on a log that was placed right in front of the campfire and rubbed my hands together for warmth. It was exceptionally cold, especially after taking a shower. The campfire was almost out. It flickered unstably in the strong, bitter wind. Carolina poked her head out from the tent and told me to come inside so we could start telling stories. I put out the fire, coughing from the smoke, and unzipped the tent. There was junk food lying all over the place, though the teachers specifically told us not to have snacks in the tent. I dug through my bag to find the book George packed for me. Everyone gathered around to watch. The Ancient and Untold Tales of the Enmity I moved my thumb over to the word enmity and held the book close to my chest. Oh, George, I couldn't read the book to my classmates, especially when I was one of them. What is it? A girl asked. I stood up and picked up my replacement phone that George had kindly given me in case of emergency. Excuse me, I need to make a call. I unzipped the tent and stepped outside. The sharp wind greeted me as I dialed George's number. It rang twice and he picked up. 
What's up, honey? Having a good time camping with your classmates? His voice rang out. My, I, I glanced around to make sure nobody was listening. Why did you pack a book about Dumbortons? I whispered. My friends are going to get suspicious when I tell them they can't read the book. Then just don't read it or read it after they go to sleep, suggested George. I can't. I promised to bring an interesting book to the camp so we could stay up late and tell stories. After all, they already saw that I did bring the book. Well, I didn't know you were going to read it aloud, he sighed, thinking hard. Tell you what, make up an excuse and tell them you accidentally dropped the book in the campfire, huh? How's that? I examined the book closely. It was very thick and heavy. There was no way I could hide it well. Can I just read it to them? They won't suspect that I have anything to do with it, right? George hesitated. Fine, but be careful not to spill any secrets. He hung up. Putting the phone into my pocket, I shifted the heavy book to one hand and pushed the tent door aside, crawling in awkwardly. So are you going to read the story or not? Carolina said, giving me a playful punch on the arm. I set the book onto my sleeping bag, brushing away the dust on the cover. The golden letters stood out on the dark leather cover. The ancient and the untold tales of the enmity. The book made me think of Monica and her late nighttime stories. It was probably the same book, but I couldn't remember what the title of the book Monica read was. I was hoping that I could see the same tale about the enmity and find out what was th what the ending was. I took a deep breath. Carolina grabbed a bag of potato chips and ripped the package open, shoving some into her mouth. She read the cover and scoffed. What's this, a dictionary? Probably, I lied, flipping to the end paper. There was a handwritten note glued to it, dedicated to Dear Paige. The words were written in perfect cursive. Carolina leaned closer to read it. Who's Paige? I shrugged and flipped to, the, to a random page. No idea. Probably George's sister or something. Carolina rummaged around in her bag and pulled out a flashlight, turned it on and showed it, shone it on the page. A picture of a large, brown, strange-looking planet was taped to the, to the paper with the words Planet Dumborton under it. The, the Dumbortons, I read aloud. A rare species only found on the planet Dumborton, and very few countries on Earth. Some say that they were only on Earth because they were banished by their home planet's leader, and that those who are banished will poss pro possibly be on the run forever. I suddenly had a terrible thought. If I was here on Earth instead of being on my home planet, did it mean that I did something bad there? So bad that the leader of the Dumbortons would banish me? But I didn't remember any of that. I was as confused as ever. The first paragraph ended. My friends didn't seem to feel suspicious of anything, though if I were them I wouldn't feel suspicious either. So I guess I didn't have to worry about anything. This kind of aliens are incredibly athletic and powerfully built, which allows them to be able to run much faster than normal human beings and even faster after training. Aside from their astonishing speed, their other athletic skills such as strength, flexibility, agility, and 
the Mena are also remarkable. Carolina laughed. You sound a lot like them, Avery, she explained. She exclaimed. I couldn't tell if she was joking or not. I mean, you basically have the same athletic skills as them, right? No, I cried a little too loudly and suddenly. They all seemed to be stunned by me. I trickled nervously. My heart skipped a beat. Uh, this is probably a pretty good place to end, I said quickly, closing the book. Wait, I want to hear more about those aliens, a girl stopped me, taking the book away from my hand and flipping it open again. It says here that this, there is one kind of insect that causes a strange effect on Dumbartons, carpenter bees. Somehow they tr- attract Dumbartons to them, but they don't sting them. However, if they make them extremely angry, the bees might still attack, but the chances are very low. What's even stranger is that when a carpenter bee stings a Dumbarton, it'll cause the alien to basically turn into a living bomb. I snatched the book away from her and flipped to the next page, then unwillingly read the book to my friends. Disappointingly, it only contained facts and information about the planet and our alien kind, and there was no ancient tales, which were the kind of excitement my friends were looking for. So they soon got tired of it, and I tucked it away along with the rest of my luggage. I told you letting your parents choose interesting things for you isn't a good idea, Carolina said. Her, their point of interest is so different from ours. Everyone agreed, still a little disappointed, by the boring facts and information I brought them. I myself was just relieved that it all ended and nobody was suspicious. We heard someone hollering outside. Mr. Old was going from tent to tent telling us to go to sleep, and he wouldn't leave until each and every one of us had tucked ourselves into our sleeping bags and shut our eyes. My friends and I were going to stay up late, but since my stories turned out to be a huge disappointment, we decided it was best for all of us to just obey the teachers. As the sound of Mr. Old zipping our tent doors shut faded away, all there was left was the soft rustling of the trees and the whisper, whisper of the wind, as if singing us the most peaceful and beautiful lullaby. And in the gentle tranquility, the whole mountain seemed to fall into deep, composed sleep. Avery, wake up! I snapped awake. Sleeping figures curled up into balls surrounded me. Their sleeping bags were a mess, as they were all wrinkled and kicked to the sides of the tent. Moonlight shone into the tent, and I saw the dark form of Carolina crouching in the grass, holding the tent door open with her one hand and grasping a flashlight with the other. She motioned for me to come outside. I shook away the drowsiness and followed her outside mindlessly. What are we doing? It's like midnight now, I asked. Carolina turned and shushed me. She shone the flashlight at my face and made me cover my eyes. We're going exploring, of course, she explained. She exclaimed quietly. It wouldn't be an epic camping trip if we followed all of the rules and went to bed on time, right? This is a a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Now, just follow me into the woods and try not to make any sounds. The pebbles made some wet satisfying noises under my sneakers. It was even colder at night, as the brisk breeze seemed seemed to pierce through my flesh with its frigidness.
Carolina's coat flagged majestically behind her as she trudged down the paved pathway, leaves and twigs crunching under her shoes. She shone her flashlight at the darkness lying ahead and then continued going. Suddenly, I saw something flash in the darkness behind us. We both stopped dead in our tracks and listened. Rustle, rustle, crack. There was another flash of light and a black figure came into sight. As Carolina's light landed on the black figure's face like a spotlight, we all yelped in surprise. Jessica? I squealed. What the hell are you doing here? Jessica pointed a long finger at herself. Me? It's not my problem. You two twerps aren't supposed to be here either. She pulled some lip gloss out from her pocket and smeared it all over her lips, which I found very disturbing and thought was a strange thing to do in this situation. Besides, I think we can all agree that it wouldn't be an epic camping trip if we followed all the rules and went to bed on time, right? Carolina groaned, not exactly keen to hear her arch nemesis having the exact same opinion as hers. Jessica waved her hand. But you don't have to worry, Twerps. I'm not going to go the same path as yours because Twerps aren't exactly qualified to go the same path as me. I scoffed, displeased by Jessica's arrogance. That's fine by us. We don't want to walk the same path as you either. I grabbed Carolina's arm and walked the opposite direction. Just then, the back of my right hand got very itchy and I started at- I scratched at the itch ferociously. What's wrong with you? Carolina asked, staring at me as if I were going bonkers. I shook my head. Nothing. Probably just a mosquito bite. Then we came to a fork in the road. Carolina started toward the left one and I walked to the right. Let's go this way, I said, still scratching. I felt my hand starting to bleed a little, but I didn't care. That path is so dark and narrow. Let's go this way, Carolina objected. I feel good about this path. Don't you trust my instincts? I'm just saying it's more wide and easier to travel through. Is it such a big deal? Not even bothering waiting for my friend, I strolled down the passageway while parting the shrubs and bushes aside. I heard Carolina exhale unpleasantly and walk behind me. My itch got worse. I felt like my hand was about to explode. Then I came to a tremendous oak tree. It was about 10 feet tall and was very lush. The branches seemed to be reaching on and on forever. Carolina caught up to me and looked at my wounded hand over my shoulder. Oh, Avery, you're bleeding. I looked down as well and realized that both my hands were covered in blood, and I got a little dirt on my wound, which made it sting. I wiped my bloody hands on my clothes carelessly and stared up at the tree. Carolina seemed to be surprised by my reaction. Then I spotted something, or more specifically, something caught my eye. It was a hive, a beehive. Look, I pointed excitedly at it. Look there, a beehive, Carolina squinted. Where? I don't see it. I pointed some more. I think it's a hive of carpenter bees, the kind we were reading about earlier. Carpenter bees? Where? She waved the flashlight around to get a better view in the darkness. I didn't have time to warn Carolina, and before I knew it, her light landed on them and frightened them. They started soaring toward us, their wings flapping so quickly the buzzing noises filled the air. Carolina screamed. We started running frantically in the direction of where we came from. The buzzing seemed to be all over my face and even inside my ears. I waved my hands around to drive them away as we dashed as fast as we could. 
I jumped over shrubs and rushed through bushes, pushing at tree branches and tugging at vines. I tried my best not to breathe or even just open my mouth, terrified that I would accidentally swallow them. Suddenly, I heard a shrill scream, so high and sharp that I was sure it was not uttered by a human being. Unless... Ah! Where are there so many bees here? Jessica shrieked. I recognized her nasty and irritating voice immediately, but the buzz drowned out her wails. Her scream, then her screams rose again, and I couldn't tell which was louder, Jessica's shouts or the carpenter bee's buzzes. We finally reached the clearing where the tents were set. Help, Mr. Old, Carolina cried. Her voice was scratchy from all the screaming. Help, please. It was as if her cries of help woke up the whole mountain. Teachers and students stepped outside sleepily, and some of the bees flew inside their tents. I saw from the corner of my eye that Jess Carolina's eyes were red and swelling up. Bumps were all over her face. Mr. Old came rushing out from the teacher's tent and sprayed something at the carpenter bees. Seeing the horrible sight, I felt a jolt in my head and blacked out.